2018, a series of podcasts by the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, NISA, discussing the events, trends and processes to watch out for in the coming year. I'm Paola Buonadonna. This week, I'm joined by Arno Hanscher, a senior economist who works in our macroeconomic modelling and forecasting team and who is an expert on the economics and politics of the European Monetary Union. Welcome, Arno. Hi. This is my question to you. With all the media attention focusing on the Brexit negotiations, I feel we've heard very little recently about the euro area. And yet a lot is changing over there. Can you give us a sense of what's been happening? There two main developments that uh, seem to gain pace. Firstly, the ECB is about to gradually adjust its monetary policy, in particular its uh, quantitative easing program. And secondly, reforms to the institutional setup of the eurozone as a whole are uh, taking much more shape now. So, starting with the ECB, tell us a little bit more about what's, uh, what's been going on there. During the crisis, the ECB embarked on a large-scale asset purchase program known as quantitative easing. The objective there was to fight trouble in financial markets as well as very low levels of inflation. Now, towards the end of this year, the ECB has already announced that uh, in 2018 it will reduce these asset purchases, purchases of uh, government bonds. This will have implications for financial markets. Here at the Institute, we have uh, looked at the effect of uh, quantitative easing on long-term interest rates. These interest rates uh, on government bonds, governments pay for their debt, as well as uh, firms pay for longer-term investments. We found that uh, quantitative easing sends a signal to financial markets that monetary policy will remain accommodative in the long term, that is, uh, short-term policy rates will remain low for long. Reversing this process will lead to a slow increase in long-term interest rates, which means that uh, governments will pay more for their debts and firms will face somewhat higher borrowing conditions in the future. But this somehow also signals that things are returning to normal, so that the crisis has perhaps come to an end? Or? Exactly. It's a very slow process of returning to normality as it was before as it was defined before the crisis. And so it will pres presumably inject some confidence into the sort of soundness of the system, or that's the idea? It may exactly bolster confidence, however, ultimately the process is going to be very gradual, also because the ECB has signalled that short-term interest rates, the policy rate the ECB sets, will remain low for much longer and longer than the asset purchase program is going to last. You were also mentioned that there are some uh, um, interesting ideas for reform of the whole institutional setup of the Eurozone. Um, so what's been happening there? Exactly. So there are a number of ideas floating around, made by the European Commission, the new French president, the German finance minister. These ideas include the setting up of a common Eurozone budget, possibly in a Eurozone Treasury with a Eurozone Finance Minister, a European Monetary Fund. I mean, all of these things seem to move in a very federal direction, don't they? Exactly. Over time, it will make the Eurozone look more like a federal state, like the United States or Switzerland. There will be more risk-sharing, but there will also be stronger rules uh, which uh, will apply to fiscal policies set by Euro-area member states. They've been talking about these things for a long time. Do you think this is feeling more possible, more plausible now? 
because of Brexit, in a sense? To some extent. Brexit uh, certainly helped to move the other Euro area EU members uh, more closely together and uh, engage more jointly in uh, common strategies. The other development that has taken place is the election of uh, Macron as the new French president. All these things have certainly helped to speed up this process. And say this does happen, because I mean, you know, uh, you can never tell with the European Union, but if things do indeed move in this direction, how will more integration in the euro area affect the financial markets? In a recently published paper, my co-authors and I, we've tried to answer this question by looking at existing federal states. So we've looked at uh, the United States, Switzerland, Germany, Spain and others to see how the institutional setup is reflected on financial markets, is reflected in the way financial markets price government debt. In all these federations I've just mentioned, these federal states, regional governments issue their own debt, so it's to some extent similar to what is happening in the Eurozone, where member states issue government bonds, however, are sort of like more and more bound by a common institutional framework. We came to basically three conclusions. We found that independent of the exact institutional setups, financial markets will always look to some extent at uh, country characteristics, like the level of debt to GDP or the fiscal deficit. However, they will take these factors more or less strongly into account, depending on the institutional framework. If there is more risk sharing and more of an expectation that bailouts may happen in the future, that is financial assistance being provided to struggling members of that federal state, then financial markets look less at country characteristics and interest rates, government bond yields converge. However, the third conclusion has been that uh, this mechanism varies within federal states. Very large entities, very large regional governments, in our example, they will see their country characteristics, their government characteristics, scrutinized more, whereas smaller entities may benefit more because their characteristics, their fundamentals, are looked at less. Why is that? The way we interpret this finding is that uh, there is a too-big-to-be-rescued mechanism at work. If your country is too big, then uh, the likelihood of financial assistance being provided to the country, a bailout, is being reduced. Hence, interest rates will be slightly higher. Bond yields will be higher. Now, what does that mean for the euro area? It means that if there is more integration happening over time, interest rates, those long-term interest rates we've talked about in the context of the ECB before, they are likely to converge over time. However, countries that are very different in size, but let's say have a very similar level of debt to GDP, for example Italy and Portugal, they will benefit more or less. Italy will have to pay more for every increase in debt to GDP than Portugal because it's a bigger member within that common euro area framework. 
Will these measures make another Eurozone crisis impossible or, or, or just less bad? What, what's, what's the point of having them? This is certainly the objective of this reform process. Uh, the objective is to make the Eurozone more resilient to future shocks, uh, be it financial crises, economic shocks that hit the Eurozone from the outside, or internal imbalances. However, reform steps that uh, will need to be taken over the course of next year will matter crucially for the success of this, of this endeavor. As we've uh, discussed at the beginning of our talk, ECB monetary policy added in the past. It uh, calmed down financial markets at the height of the crisis. So future decisions taken by the ECB, the credibility of its uh, past decisions will also matter to what extent uh, financial markets remain resilient to these shocks. And uh, finally, it will all sort of depend as well on uh, external things, things that happen outside of the euro area. For instance, Brexit going badly or something like that. Exactly, possibly that. Who knows what might happen? Well, this is all we have time for this week. We will be back with another Look Ahead 2018 next week. And you can find the whole series in other podcasts, blogs and publications on our website on www.niesr.ac.uk. Thank you very much, Arno, and goodbye.